Hey everyone, this is Tim Harris. I'm the pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church and this is our weekly podcast. Hope it encourages you. Hope it makes you want to be closer to Jesus and more like him. Hope you enjoy this sermon. And if you want to know more about us, find us online at woodburnbaptist.org. What about those ants? They go marching in a line. That line is a straight line that goes on forever. They don't turn right. They don't turn left. They just keep right on marching in a rut. And that kind of reminds me of some of us, right? I mean, there's something about living life in a rut, finding your groove, finding your routine, and just sticking with it. There's something about that. But however, surely by now you're getting the point, if you keep doing, say it, if you keep doing what you're doing, you'll keep getting what you're getting. Now, this sermon series is entitled Best Year Ever. We're trying to talk about how 2023 could be something different. But if something's going to be different, something's got to change. And I think that something may be you. You don't necessarily want to hear that. We're like the ants, right? We just like to march. We like to just stay in the line. But I'm telling you, that's not exactly how life works. It's certainly not how the Christian life works. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Let God, what's the word? Transfer. You know, he is always on the side of changing you. He's never going to give this up. Your life in Christ is a life of your being transformed. Now, how does it work? Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you say it, think. Changing the way you think. So personal transformation in the Christian life is about change. And that change begins with changing the way you think, which means, in a nutshell, you've got to think. You have to think. Now, I, I know, I know, in our lives, it's much easier if you can just find sort of a, a routine that lets you be mindless. It doesn't require you to do a lot of thinking or decision-making or uh, doing anything new, but that's not at all the life that Christ has for you. Now, just a couple of things to remind you where we've been. Week number one, we've got five weeks in the sermon series, five choices you must make Five changes you need to make, in other words. The first one, do this first. Submit to God's purpose for your life. That's always the big piece. That's what you do first. You surrender to God and what he wants to do for your life. Number two was last week. Do this every day. You want to, say it, deny yourself. You have to deny yourself in order to allow Christ to live in you. You crucify the self. Let Christ live in you. Today... Well, y'all, you trust me? It's, it's, it's going to be big for some of you. You ready? We're going to try something new. We're going to try something new. Do you want what God wants for you? Do you want to become the person God is changing you to be? Then you have to always be willing to try something new. With that, turn to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43 is literally one of my favorite chapters in Scripture. I know I say that about a lot of chapters, uh, but Isaiah chapter 43 is just so beautiful. Are you turning? Open up your Bibles. Isaiah chapter 43. I'm telling you, this is a chapter to go back to after today. I'm only going to read a few verses, but you don't want to miss everything in Isaiah 43. I'm going to start in verse 15 and read just a couple of verses to remind you who God is and what he wants for you. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 15. You ready? I am the Lord, your Holy One. 
Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to (laughs) do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I don't know if you're in the habit of reading God's word and letting it speak to you, but I want you to let this word speak to you. Do you understand what God is saying? I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Don't you see it? Is it possible God is saying these words to you today? He wants to do something new in your life. Don't you see it? Don't you want it? One day... Um, it was a Sunday morning. Uh, it was a terrible winter a couple of years ago, several years ago. Um, we had one of those Saturday night Kentucky ice snowstorms where you know get a layer of ice and then a layer of snow, and everything was beautiful but terrible. You know what I mean? There, we were, it was just ice and snow. And that always happens on a Saturday night in my, in my life. So the next morning I got up early, probably 5, 30, 6 o'clock I got up and drove to church. excuse me, just to check it out, just to see how it was going to be. So I got to church. The roads were terrible. They were just a sheet of ice. The parking lot was a sheet of ice. I got to the building. Um, I couldn't even get my key in the door. The locks were all frozen. Everything was just coated with a layer of ice. We were iced out. But now you cannot get ahead of Warren Weeks. So I turned around, and Warren lives right there. Warren was coming across his yard with a pan of boiling water. Just walking up to church. I said, Warren, what do you think? He said, about what? I said, well, all this. I said, so you think we need to cancel church? He said, why would we? That's Warren. Understand, I love Warren. I love Warren more than any. He's just one of the best friends of my life. Uh, Warren is a magnificent creature of habit. So the fact that there's ice and we're all iced out, You can't in any way throw Warren, I mean, because in Warren's mind, it's Sunday, and Sunday is church day, and so we're going to have church. Now, honestly, that particular Sunday, we did not have church. They're just, you know, Warren could have, he'd still be, he'd still be carrying pans of boiling water across from his house to de-ice the entire building, but in his mind, you just do, you know what I mean? It's just, it's Sunday, it's church day, we have church. You know, um, like I say, it's just this magnificent creature of habit, just like most of us. Warren, one of his strengths on our staff is he is utterly predictable. You could set your watch by Warren Weeks, and, and I love that about him. He's predictable. Most of us love predictability. In life, there are probably two options. There is predictability or there is uncertainty. And given the choice between those two, most of us would want predictability every day. We like to know what's going to happen. We like to know what's expected, and we like to know what to expect. We like everything to be predictable. And that's why in our lives, we prefer when we can just sort of find a nice, healthy, happy routine where we can get up in the morning and drink the same cup of coffee and then make the same drive to work every day and work the job and come home and have a nice dinner, watch Wheel of Fortune and fall asleep on the couch. I mean, that's the life we found. That's the groove we're in. And we actually would like for nothing ever 
to disturb that. Except by now, surely you know that's not how life works. Life is not uh, simply a journey that goes in a straight line. Life has twists and turns. Life's going to plunge you into dark tunnels. Life is going to go up and down and you have no control and you are not going to predict it. Life is fundamentally unpredictable. Now why is that? Life is not predictable because God is not predictable. God's the one who holds it all in his hands and he's not predictable. Now, I'm not saying God's not faithful. He is. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. God is always with you. You can count on God. He's faithful. And the scripture says that he's unchanging, which means his holiness never changes. His goodness, his greatness never changes. His love, his mercy, his patience, his kindness are new every single day. I'm telling you, God's character, God's holiness, these things never change. But God's ways are not your ways, and God's thoughts are not your thoughts, and you're never going to figure him out, and you're never going to get him in a box, and you're never, ever going to be able to predict how this God will do what he's going to do. God is not predictable. Brings us to Isaiah chapter 43. Like I say, I, I love this chapter so much. I love how verse 15 begins. It's the sort of thing that happens throughout the chapter where God uh, self-identifies. God tells you who he is. And in chapter 15, you got a quadruple divine self-identification. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. You know, that quadruple self-identification just continues to underline his authority to be in command. His authority to do things the way he's going to do things. And then he goes on. I'm the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. Now, at this point, God is recalling one of the magnificent moments in the history of his people. And what moment is that? What story is he recalling? Yeah, it's the Exodus. I opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses, drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned. Yeah, it's the story of the Exodus. It's one of the most amazing moments, one of the most beautiful displays of God's tremendous power. Children of Israel were fleeing slavery from Egypt. Pharaoh and all of his armies are behind them. They come to the Red Sea. There's no way forward. It's, it's the sea. So they're caught between the sea and Pharaoh's armies. There's no way to go. They're trapped. They're stuck. There is no absolute way to understand how they can get out of this mess and then God does what only God can do and who would have ever thought God just rolls back the sea he just splits the sea and and just they walk across in this dry path that they never could have imagined nobody saw that coming nobody predicted that that's just what God did and it was amazing and it's beautiful and we could tell that story till we die only God says yeah I did that now forget about it I'm the Lord who opened a way through the waters making a dry path through the sea but forget all that Why would God say forget all? I mean, like I said, we'll be telling this story till the day we die. Why would he say forget all that? He says forget all that in verse 18 because of what he wants to say next. And what is that? That's nothing. That's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. I'm about to do something new. 
Do you understand this is who God is? This is how God operates in your life. God has done amazing things to bring you where you are. But where you are is just a point on the map of where you're going to be. God has more. God wants to take you further, and you haven't seen anything yet. I love all that God has done in my personal life to bring me to the place where I am. And the place where I am is a wonderful place. I love being your pastor. I love every single day of the adventure of Woodburn Baptist Church. I love all of that. I love my wife more than life. I love my son, my daughter-in-law. I love my dog. I love all this. And there's this temptation to just want to, you know, just sort of settle, park myself, settle into a nice groove here with you all. And I could just be your pastor and do your funerals one at a time until one of you preaches mine and then we'll all just be in glory. Except that's not how God works. That's not even an option presented to us because of God's sort of annoying habit of leaning into our lives, constantly saying, I'm about to do something new. Don't you see it? Don't you want it? Why has he always got to do something new? You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, why can't God just recognize that it's all good? It's all good. Well, understand, this is the very nature of God. God loves to create, and God loves to do new things because he's powerful and free. Just God's nature. He does new things, creates new things, always new possibilities because he's powerful. God can do anything. There's nothing impossible. And so for that reason, whatever God's going to do, it's going to be amazing because God is going to do it with his power. And his power is unlimited, and he's free, which means he can do it, and he can do it any way he wants. And I think sometimes he likes to just show off. He likes to show you that he doesn't have to do it the same way twice, and he doesn't do anything the same way twice. Always new, always a, a, a brand new, terrific display of what God can do. This is just his nature. He creates and does new things because he's powerful and because he's free, and that's how he causes us to grow. This is how he grows us. Understand? You can't grow unless occasionally something in life disturbs your happy routine. You cannot grow unless something happens and all of a sudden you are thrust into a situation that's nothing like you've ever seen before. Your faith can't expand until your faith is tested. And that means putting you in a situation where all of a sudden you are crushed and stretched. All of a sudden you have to come back to God. All of a sudden you have to remember the power of this God, the freedom of this God, the possibility that he continues to bring to your life. You never know any of that if nothing ever changes. Are y'all in favor of any of this? You're looking at me like you're getting mad. That's how he causes us to grow, you all. Like I say, man, if life were just a straight line, like those ants, we could march and we'd never have to think or look up or make any decisions. But that's not how life is. It twists, it turns. You've you got to keep your eyes open. You've got to keep your head up. You have to keep your brain engaged. You have to trust the Lord. And all of that is just part of the way that he grows us. 
I, I called forth the mighty army of Egypt. I'm the Lord who opened a way through the waters. But forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. I frequently say this in my pastoral ministry in lots of situations because I think fundamentally this is a very important principle for your Christian life. So just understand this. With God, what happened is never as important as what happens next. So you'll be in a moment of your life when you think, I don't understand why this happened. I don't understand, you know, why am I here? Why has God done this? You know, how, how am I going to get out of this? You're, you're like the children of Israel caught between the devil and the deep blue sea, and you're thinking, there is no way forward. Why am I here? But this is what I'm telling you. What happened is never as important as what happens next. You haven't seen what God's going to do next. And what God does next always changes everything about how the way you understand what happened. Do you understand? That's why God says, I did all that, but forget all that. I'm going to do something new. I'm starting something new right now. Don't you see it? Don't you see it? Yeah, like I say, we don't, we don't want to see that. We necessarily want change. We enjoy routine, and it's human nature. Our brains are created by God as amazing organs and managers of all the information that's coming to us all the time. My brain is, is in the current moment, you know, receiving so much input from my environment. My brain's aware of the screen behind me, the table here. Hopefully my brain never forgets there's a drop-off right here. My brain is aware of the sermon that I've prepared. I've got my thoughts in my head. All of these things. My brain's aware that my voice is giving out. I'm trying to remind myself to speak quietly. My brain's aware of all kinds of things. But at the same time, most of that just goes into the background. My brain makes choices about what it focuses on so that I can do the task at hand, which is preach this message. So your brain has this amazing capacity to recognize a routine and then sort of shift into autopilot. And honestly, it's one of the amazing ways that God has made us. That's why you can get up in the morning, make the whole commute to work, and never really think about driving the car. Your brain can just sort of drive the car automatically. When you were learning to drive, you had to think about every part of it. But now you don't. You're in the lane. You've got your foot on the gas. You're in control. And you don't even have to think. So your brain is amazing in this capacity. And so in our lives, we tend to prefer happy routines because we don't have to think. We, we like not to have to make decisions all the time. We like to not have to filter through all of the information. We just like to find a good groove and then, you know, walk in it. You can say we're stuck in a rut, but if it's a happy rut, who cares, right? Because we don't have to think about it. Habit is just behavior that is made into a routine. And most of us live our lives by the force of habit. You're in church today Probably because you love the Lord, and probably because you love the church, and probably because of a lot of things, but in many cases, mostly because it's Sunday, and that's the day you come to church. It's the power of habit, and the power of habit is a, a pretty amazing thing, and most of us live our lives simply by, by, by the force of habit, but understand you can't grow in Christ if most of your actions are performed without conscious thought or energy. 
This isn't how the spiritual life will work. You're not going to sleepwalk your way into what Christ has for you. Remember, Romans 12, 2 says he's going to transform you by changing the way you think, which means you've got to think. You have to think. And you have to open your eyes and you have to pay attention to the habits that are forming your life. You have to pay attention to the path you're on and where this path leads. You have to pay attention to the person you're becoming. I'm telling you, you can't grow. There's no way to grow in Christ as long as you want to live your life without consciously thinking or expending any kind of energy. That, that's why we find habits and stick in our habits. As I'm speaking right now, I understand that I'm talking, but the devil's talking too. And, and many of you are hearing his voice right now, whether you realize it or not. It's, it's, it's one of the devil's lies. All the, the only power the devil has in your life is to lie. He's always lying to you. And understand, one of his most effective lies is this simple lie, and that lie is, you'll never change. This is what the devil tells you, you'll never change. You can't change. You tried that before. You've tried that and you can't do that. You've set New Year's resolutions before. You don't keep resolutions. You're not a good goal setter. You can't change. You can't change. You've been doing this too long now. You love this too much. You can't change. It's the devil's lie. If you've ever been trapped in addiction or had to struggle to find recovery in the Lord, then you understand how very, very... Uh, powerful this lie is in your life when you think that you can't change, when you think that you can't stop something or you can't start something. It's a powerful lie, but it's still a lie. It's a lie, but if you believe it's true, it'll operate in your life as if it is true. I mean, that's just the way it works. A, a lie even if it's a lie, if you believe it's true, it will operate as if it is true. So in your life, you don't change. Because you don't think you can change, therefore you never attempt change. You never trust the Lord or believe the Lord when he says, I want to do something new with you. You just automatically tune that out because you believe the devil's lie that you'll never change. Now, basic principle in spiritual warfare, when you're defeating the devil's lies, you always combat his lies with the truth you find in Christ. So what is the truth? The truth is in Christ, you're always a new creation. That's what Paul says, right? If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. All the old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is a theme throughout Scripture. This is what God does. He's always calling you out of the past into the future, always making something new out of you. So in Christ, you're always a new creation, always full of freedom and possibility. Freedom. In Christ, you've been set free, which means you have the freedom to make new choices. You have the freedom to choose a different path. You have the freedom to walk out of the pit that you've been living in. You have freedom and you have possibility. Possibility is just simply that. The, the idea that no matter what today looks like, Tomorrow something different could happen. It's, it's possibility. In Christ, you've always got freedom and possibility, and, and that possibility changes everything. Some of you right now are, are trapped in what you feel like is just a dead-end marriage. A dead-end marriage where there's no feeling anymore, there, there's no hope, there's no future, there's no pleasure, there's nothing. And you're beginning to tell yourself nothing can ever change. 
This won't change. But I'm telling you, that's the devil's lie. In Christ, there's always possibility. Christ can break every chain. Christ can shine light in any darkness. Christ can bring love back into your dead heart. I'm telling you, because of him, there is always freedom and possibility. In Christ, you're always a new creation, always full of freedom and possibility, but the devil will tell you otherwise. And, and that's the devil's voice. But the voice of the Lord continues to say, nothing compared to what I'm going to do. You haven't seen anything yet. I'm about to do something new. I've already started it. Don't you see it? Don't you want it? So how can you walk toward that? If 2023 is to be the year that something changes for you, how would you move in that direction? If you're that ant that's just walking in that straight line and you've been doing it now forever, how do you step out of that routine? How do you lift your head, open your eyes, and open yourself to what Jesus wants to start? You really want to know? I got two things, and I'm almost embarrassed to put them up here because y'all are going to be like, Pastor Tim, you you, you went to seminary for that? Think, don't you have a PhD or something? These are the two dumbest things you've ever, you know, like, these are like baby steps. Um, yeah, I'm a little embarrassed, but it's also the truest thing I know how to tell you. All right, two things, and, and I'll be done. First off, you got to seek some new challenge. Like, like you, I'm pointing to everybody, you, 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 you. It's like, Oprah, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. You get a new challenge, you get a new challenge, you get a new challenge. Oh, you got to seek some new challenge. You have to seek that out. You can't go through your life avoiding hard things. You can't go through your life letting other people do all the work. You need to seek some new challenge. You're doing this for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the new thing he wants to do in your life. This new thing is going to come all wrapped up like a challenge. Because it's going to grow you. That means it's going to be scary probably. It means you're going to wonder if, 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 if you'll actually be able to do it. And I'm saying go for it. Some new challenge. You want something that's going to stretch you. You want something that's going to make you grow. You want something that's going to blow you out of your happy routine. You want something that requires that you learn how to lean upon the power and strength of the Lord. You want a challenge that's at least big enough where if you don't trust the Lord, you'll bomb. It's going to fizzle. It's never going to work. You want to step into something that's going to make you learn how to depend upon the Lord more than you ever have before. Seek some new challenge. Now, I would think that a few of you probably already, in the back of your mind, you know what you're supposed to be doing. Like when I say seek some new challenge, some of you instantly go there because you know that there's a part of you that's always wanted that permission to go do something new. You know, maybe you just sit and you hear the stories of mission trips out of our church. You think, I, I want to go. I, one of these days, I'm going to go on one of those trips. Okay, make it this year. This year, you go to Haiti or you go to Indonesia, or you go to the Philippines, or let's take a trip to Washington State and help Sam Malanga. I mean, go somewhere, do something that you've never done before. Seek a new challenge. Think of Pastor Jim, I don't travel. I don't travel. I don't have a passport. Get a passport. Pastor Tim, my bowels won't move when I'm away from home. You'll deal with it. Nobody's ever exploded on a mission trip. You'll be okay. 
You will, Pastor Tim, I, I don't like all that foreign food. You'll be okay. We've never had anybody starve on a mission trip. You'll be okay. Whatever reason you have for not doing it is nothing compared to what God has for you when you step into what he has for you. It's going to be a challenge. Maybe you've sort of wondered if you could be a teacher. Like maybe you could teach a class at the church, teach children or, or teach adults. Maybe you've kind of always wanted to do that, but never let yourself step into that. Come on. Life is short, and God's put these things in you. Let it out. Seek a new challenge. I mean, go for it. Maybe have a small group in your home, or maybe start a, a prayer group at the place where you work. A couple of school teachers at Warren Elementary are starting an FCA this week. That's a big deal. I'm so excited for them. That's a big challenge. So what about you? A new challenge. Seek a new challenge. Step into it, you guys. Pray about it. Find out what God has for you. And then you do something new for the Lord. Seek a new challenge. And then one more thing. And this, this one you're going to think, Pastor Tim, um, start a new habit. You say, Pastor Tim, you preach this whole message about habit. You know, about Warren walking over here with a pan of boiling water, you know. Can I, can I tell you other things about Warren? He's not in the room. But ask him. He'll tell you. Because I love Warren, and this is all true. Warren dresses out of a rotation. Like Warren doesn't want to get up and think about what he's going to wear. He's not making any fashion statement. Warren has shirts in the closet hanging in order, and every day you get up and you just get the shirt that, that's in the rotation. Warren has a blue plaid shirt from 2006. When he, he came here for his trial Sunday, and I'll never forget that shirt. It's the first time I met Warren, he was wearing that shirt. And every now and then it shows up. I say, Warren, you got your lucky shirt on today. That's your trial Sunday shirt. And he said, yeah, it's in a rotation. So I, I'm just telling you, and I'm not saying this to make fun of my brother. I love Warren. So listen to this. Warren and I, uh, we have one-on-ones regularly. Um, we're both very aware of the fact that we're becoming old men. We're becoming old men. And it happened faster than we ever imagined. And we don't want to be those old men who stay in ministry without being effective. Both Warren and I firmly believe that the only leader for a growing church is a growing leader. And if we stop growing, then we are no longer qualified to lead God's church. We have to continue growing, which means we have to stretch and change. And so we had these conversations, and, and this is what Warren says. Warren says, now, Tim, I don't do a lot of change, but if you tell me what I need to change, I will make that part of my new routine. All right, that's brilliant. You understand? That's brilliant. Warren's a routine guy. Guess what? I'm a routine guy. I just need to be a little more thoughtful and intentional about the habits that I choose, the, the routines, the rut I settle into. If you happen to settle into a, a healthy habit, if, if you happen to land on a path that is the path that Christ has for you, then, then you want to just keep on walking forward, you know. So understand, one of the ways that Christ will transform you into his image is through the power of habit. It's part of the way he wired us. 
So I'm just encouraging you to think about your habits and consider starting a new habit. Or maybe you need to stop an old habit, but one way or the other, I want you to lean into your habits and allow Christ to use this power of habit to change you into what he wants you to be. And that's scriptural. In the book of Daniel, Daniel had such an unstoppable habit of prayer that even if they threw him in the den of lions, they could not stop him from praying every single day. You get that? It was an unstoppable habit. Jesus had the same kind of habit in praying. He would constantly withdraw, leave the crowds, and go converse with the Father. It was an unstoppable habit of prayer. And the book of Hebrews talks about the habit of meeting together, coming to church. And, and, and I mentioned earlier that you know, for some of us, you know, church is just a, a, a habit, but it, it's a healthy habit. And the scripture says, you know, that you should continue to meet together and, and not to neglect meeting together as some in the habit of doing. So not going to church is a habit too. Some of you have started a new habit of coming you know, to church in person. And that's a very healthy habit. You know how hard it is when your Sunday morning habit is something else. You have to constantly fight habits. Stopping things and starting things. And I'm just saying, be very, very conscious and very mindful and very intentional about the habits that you engage and uh, start a new habit. If it is just coming to church, keep on coming and, and make that the habit of your family. Make that so regular that you're like war and you come to church in an ice storm with a pan of boiling water. You know, because you can't imagine not going to church. I mean, you know, it's the power of habit. That's exactly how we become the men and women that Christ wants us to be. It's the power of the behaviors that we just keep on repeating day after day after day. So he says, I'm the Lord, your holy one, your creator, your king. I'm about to do something new. I'm about to do something new. I've already begun. Don't you see it? I mean, do you see that? Do you understand that Christ wants to do something new with you? Do you see it? Do you want it? I've been telling you that 2023 can be a different kind of year, and I say it because of this. I know that Jesus wants to give you a different kind of year. He wants to start something new. And if this becomes the Sunday, or if this becomes the day, or if this becomes the year when you accept this new challenge, if this becomes a year when you really start to grow, if this becomes the year where you begin habits or step onto a path where you literally begin to become more and more like Jesus, then I'm telling you, this is going to be your best year ever. The Lord says, I'm doing something new in you. Don't you see it? Don't you want it? Pray with me.